Hi, I'm Jo Clark, and thanks so much for joining me today. This is the Redefining Midlife podcast, a podcast designed for the 40 plus woman who is determined to challenge society's myths and beliefs around midlife. It's for the woman who is inspired and ready to define midlife her way. Join me each week as I chat to health and wellness experts for up-to-date information on how to live well, as well as some special conversations with incredible everyday women redefining what midlife can look like. Here's to making our next half of life even better than the first. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing you to my friend, Lou Mullins. Lou is a woman that I have such incredible respect and admiration for. She's humble and quietly spoken, incredibly talented, hardworking, and fiercely determined. All of these traits have led Lou to where she is today. And to set the scene, Lou and her husband, Waverly Stanley, both shared a dream that was much bigger than themselves. And that was to encourage generational change for Indigenous children through education. Together, Lou and Waverly founded the not-for-profit organisation known as Yallery. A bit of background about Yallery for you. Since 2005, Yallery has been providing the opportunity for Indigenous children from regional and remote communities across Australia to receive a full boarding school scholarship for their entire secondary education. Now in 2022, Yallery had over 250 students on Yallery scholarships nationally and an alumni group of over 440 students studying at universities, working or undertaking further training. It's just phenomenal. Lou, Waverley and the organisation are deeply committed to the ongoing success of Yallery's national program of scholarships, student support and post-school opportunities. And Lou's current role as a managing director of Yallery is far more than the corporate role overseeing all of this. She and Waverley have been and continue to be the surrogate parents and beloved aunts and uncles to hundreds of Indigenous children and their families around the length and breadth of Australia. And their love and dedication to others knows absolutely no bounds. And today we get to meet and to learn more about Lou as the woman and how she came to be the special woman that she is today. Please meet the wonderful Lou Mullins. Lou, I'm absolutely thrilled that you've decided to say yes to come onto the podcast to talk about yourself and a little bit about Yallery and just what it's like being a woman at this stage of life. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for the opportunity. <laughs> I know poor, poor Lou's not quite sure how and where no. this is going to go because normally <laughs> Lou speaks, her, her time there, she speaks to people is usually about one thing and that's Yallery and how wonderful that organisation is. So yeah, Lou, you might be a little bit out of your comfort zone, but it's all good. I won't make you feel too awkward. It'll be fine. It will be fine. So Lou, usually what our background is has made us into the person that we are today so I Mm. want you to tell us a little bit about your childhood where did you grow up and what do you remember most about that time I grew up on the northern beaches of Sydney in a suburb called Cromer Um, many people know that suburb it's just out the back of DY it certainly doesn't look like it does now people probably think oh Cromer yeah she was all right no we were the first house built on a old chook farm and um, we and Cromer Heights didn't exist. So we used to look up onto the mountains and go for bushwalks there. And yeah, it was a really, it was an idyllic childhood. I have a younger brother and sister 
And my father was a teacher at one of the high schools. And my mother was what they would call now a social justice advocate. But back then we called them do-gooders. And she um, she was into everything. She was into helping out the drug referral centre. She was delivering meals on wheels, anything that she could do. And generally I was taken along for the ride, being the eldest one. Um, that was my very early childhood. Did you go to the same school that your father taught at or were you? Oh, no, thank goodness. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> my father was um, back in the days where they had special masters and you were still allowed to give the cane and that was his job. So oh. thank goodness, um, yes, that was one of his provisos that we didn't have to go to the same school. However, because I played water polo at the regional level, I did have to play in the water polo team and against other girls and boys that uh, he taught, ooh, what's it like for Mr. Collins's daughter? Um, uh, little did they know my mother was a disciplinarian and being Mr. Mullins's daughter was not a problem at all. <laughs> you had dad wrapped around you, your little finger and mum is the one you had to look out for, was it? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. And so what led your mother into that line of, of work? Because I, I remember the do-gooder, they're such a do-gooder. She was very quiet about it. It was just something she did. And I, I you know, like most of our childhood we don't realise it's unusual, any different to anybody yeah, else's. It's so true. I don't, it's just the person she is. I mean, she's mm. been like that all her life. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. She just does the right thing, one of those people that does the right thing. Yeah. yeah. And do you think having that upbringing with Dad being the disciplinarian, although not so much at home, um, mm. and mum, mum having such a strong role and obviously strong views about certain things, that shaped you and how you viewed the world? And, oh, and definitely, definitely. Mm. Probably didn't even realise it uh, for many years, but yeah, yeah, it's almost like if I look at it now and somebody wrote a thesis on them, here's my mother, here's my father, well, of course I was going to be turned out this way. It was just yes. so, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, th I think they had a huge impact mm. yeah, directly and indirectly on what I do now. And did you think that you were going to go into the line of work that you're into now or did you have a different career path when you were a young woman that you you thought you would oh no I was I was going to be a rock star so um, oh I yes mean, we are going to talk about <laughs> that I do remember that but did you leave school going into music or was no that... no no okay. I went into nursing, nursing. Right. I was still playing in bands but I was definitely nursing but um I was up here on the Gold Coast living in Sydney but on the Gold Coast and doing a gig at, I think it was the beer garden in Surface there, and we had a big break. And I went over to the beach there, and they had the markets, and there was a, um, a one of those clairvoyants, and I thought, okay, I think I was there with the drummer. I said, come on, let's go and see what she's got to say. And uh, I don't know whether she read my palms or, or did the tarot cards, and she said, ooh, you're one of those people who are going to look after the children and feed the world. And I said, I don't want to do that. I want to be a rock star. I don't want to be that type of person. <laughs> and she said, but this is a good reading. You are going to be a very good person. No, 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 no. I want to be a rock star. So she said, oh, you're not taking me seriously. And then I didn't. <laughs> Isn't anyway, that amazing? And I still remember that. So that was in wow. the before. So. Mm. And all right, so tell us about the music journey. Obviously, nursing didn't last for very long. No. No, it didn't. I loved it, absolutely loved it, but no, I was too distracted probably with music. In all seriousness, as my sister says, you were never going to be a rock star. You didn't drink, you didn't smoke, and you were actually nice to people. 
So you were never. <laughs> well, that's boring then. I know. Yes, dull. Yes, not a rock star. Um, so I loved music, and um, I guess when I first left school, I was playing in all sorts of bands to really test myself and my music. And then I don't. I went for a trip through Australia with a friend, and right up through the Northern Territory, and I started to hear more Australian music and more country music and and blues and stuff like that. So then I started to write more music like that. So that's what led me down that path um, and, yeah, fronted my own band for quite a few years. But always, as the clairvoyance at the Surface Paradise um, Beer Garden said, you know, there was, there was something more that I, mm. I knew I had to do and something else. I still love music. I love songs. You know, it's, it's, it's at the heart of who I am. It's, 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 it's another part of the storytelling that I can do. Yeah, but um, yeah, it was a part of what I did, and now I do this. How many years were you were you uh, working as a musician? It was on and off with painting, which is another oh. house painting, which is another strange way of making a living, but for a woman anyway, which I did yeah. on building sites. I remember I was about thirty eight, and my back was aching, aching, and I'd been up ladders again, and I thought I cannot do this when I'm forty. I have to get out of doing house painting as a full-time role before I'm 40, which I did. Um, but the music probably from 20 years on and off in with, with the other jobs. Wow. Okay. I was doing it in all different ways. Yeah. yeah. And you spent some time in the in Rand Alice, didn't you? For I did, yeah. I was in uh, period. And yeah. how was that? That was great. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, really good. I um I think it was 1997 I was in Alice. And, um, you know, I, I've i been back just about every year for the last 10 years because we take our year nine girls out there. And it's hard to see that town and what's happening to Alice now. It isn't, you know, you see the news now and, and um, it's hard to get a clear idea of what's what's really going on there. But it isn't something that's happened suddenly. Mm -hmm. there's, there's been problems there for a lot of years. Um, who knows what the answers are? Mm. Uh, or, and answers, as in there's not one answer. But, um, yeah, I love my time out in Alice. Yeah, it's, an, it's an amazing and a beautiful part of the world. And were you working as a solo musician at that stage or did you have your band around you? It was solo and a duo with another guy. Who was, <laughs> we, we were working in, I think it was two or three venues over there covering six nights for all the tourists. So sometimes we were working together and sometimes um, we divided and conquered and sometimes we had a night off. <laughs> yeah fantastic and do you play and music now do you I've, write I've songs a, do you you know what do you do yeah I've, I've got a piano again um a friend of mine up in Gympie uh mm. had a old piano given to her which had been in a family for a long time and she said to Waverly Lou needs a piano again so yeah. he organized for the piano to be taken down to our house. Now you've seen our driveway. Yes, I have. Trying to get that piano down there. These removalists, I mean, they were great. <laughs> but um, yes, I played the piano more than the guitar now, just because it's there and I love it. Yeah. That's wonderful. And do you write music now? Yeah, or are you I just spend your time? Fantastic. I do. I do. I'm so happy to hear I, that. I still hear in, in conversations, I still hear the hooks. Do you? And the and the stories. When people are talking to me, oh. That is a song. That's a part. That story's great. That, yeah. I was um, a couple of years ago. I was interviewing an auntie um, about her niece going on a scholarship. Mum 
mum left the room or something or my auntie was there and she said, please, Lou, your kids just need to leave the levy bank. And there's things like that oh, I wow. see here, I think, oh, leaving that's, the levy bank. Yeah. There's that's, something that's in That's poetic. That. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, I guess it's the poetry I still hear. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Mm. Love I'm really way. pleased to hear that, Lou, because sometimes I think, you know, your, your world is so caught up in, in what you're doing because it's so mm. big that mm. you don't have that time. So I'm, that's made that's made my heart sing now, knowing, <laughs> knowing that you, you, you're giving yourself that little bit of time to be able to explore that side that you really love because mm. it's important you do. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So can you see you doing that more as you get older when you when time starts to free up a little more? I don't know. I mean, it would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. And piano yeah. over guitar? Oh, probably because I need to restring my guitar. It's pure laziness. But anything else? The string yeah. on it now. If someone like else gets, gives, a, gives an instrument that they can give to you fully done. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So helping and giving to others is such a big part of who you are as, mm -hmm. as a woman. How was that instilled in you from a young age? You, know, you mentioned your mum being quite, you know, inverted commas again the do-gooder and looking at social justice things so was there something else that made you really want to get in and, and give to others um probably my, probably my mother again there was yeah. I, I don't know how long we all were probably 14 13 and 12 and she just was sitting around the kitchen table and she puts a photo of a child from Zimbabwe or Kenya or somewhere there that needed sponsoring. And back then I think it was about, you know, $20 a month. Mm. And she suggested that we all sponsor this child in the way that my mother suggests things like that. Um, and we all had our pocket money for the chores that we did. And yeah. so I, I, I don't think any of us gave it any thought or we certainly didn't grumble. It wasn't much between the three of us, $20 a month. Um, so we sponsored that child. I think just that awareness of that somebody else needed help yeah. um, was instilled at that moment. And I have never stopped sponsoring a child through that organisation till now. In fact, I think I sponsor three, three children through that organisation and quite a few other children through different organisations over the years. Mm. Um, and so I think from a very early age that was instilled in me the awareness that others need support. Mm. Um, from us we, look we didn't grow up wealthy as I said it really was a chook farm my father was a teacher and drove taxis and taught swimming lessons to make wow. ends meet yes. the house yeah. that they yeah. um they had bought and you know did the extensions themselves things like that but it, it, it doesn't matter what your situation is there's always somebody else that you can support whether it's financially or in some other capacity so mm. I think that, along with clearly the genetics of who I was born from, um, yeah, I think that's it. Mm. It's lovely, isn't it, when you sponsor a child and you see you see the different stages of their growth. I know when both of my children were born, I made it a point of of having a sponsored child at the same time, and ah. just that, and and they were able to you know photographs. We would have that, the both photos with the, the really? children so they could yeah yeah it's um. That's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And same same as you, 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 we've had, again, children as they get older, they drop off and so you get a new sponsored child. That's right. Mm. Yeah, yeah, very special. Now, we'll talk a little bit about um, your main man, Waverley, and when you met. So you said you were still painting and working 
when you were in your late 30s? Late 30s. So I met Waverley at that same period. So I started working for an organisation called First Australians Business. I don't think it exists anymore. It was a not-for-profit that um, supported Indigenous people who had small business ideas or the small business itself and needed support through a bit of training or mentoring from the wider community. Mm. Somehow I ended up doing an admin job there, filling in for a friend, and Waverley was one of the presenters. So, uh, But he was living in Cairns. I was working in Brisbane. So he would come and do those workshops every now and then, not, not a lot, because he still had his work up in Cairns. So that's... That was pretty much my out. I never went back to painting after that because I, I kept going with that organisation for a couple of years yeah. and, and then we started gallery. Mm. Oh. I really loved working for First Australians Business yeah. and, and what I was doing, I was actively giving back of my person then as well. So it wasn't that, oh, I have to give up painting, I've got to do this desk job now. In fact, mm. sitting at a desk job was really hard for me. Um, it still is. But um, that's okay. I've got lots of offices to walk around. I don't know how to use the intercom on the telephone, so that helps. I, I refuse to learn how to do it. But, yeah, so I think that was it, yeah. So by the time I turned 40, Yallery was established. So wow. I'd been out of painting for a couple of years. If you come to my house, Joe, I think I probably hit the non-painted doors from you. And <laughs> yeah, well, now I'm going to have a really close look to make sure you're cutting in properly. and. <laughs> 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 so very quickly for people who don't know about Yallery can you just uh, and it is it's a big story and it's a long story an abridged version just for those who may not be aware of what it is how it started and um, you know where it is now okay well the word Yallery means child in the Virugaba language group so when Wavy and I were talking about you know, the, these crossroads in our lives, both in our very late 30s, and he said, I, I would like to create some way for Indigenous children to go to a, a boarding school if that's what they want to do and their families want to do, like I did, but be supported by each other. And I said, okay, that, that sounds good. Again, that triggered that instinct mm. in me to help. When there's a need, let me help. Yeah. Um, and so we went up to Palm Island not long after... There was riots up there as part of um, oh, a, a group of people listening to what was needed from the Indigenous people. It just so happens one of his grandfathers was still alive back then and he had the opportunity to talk to Grandfather Blokey Wilson and talk about what we were doing. And he said to Waverley, Yallery, that's child in our language. So huh. that's where the word Yallery came from, from Palm Island back then. So what we do is pretty much what... Happened for Waverley. We haven't changed that much. We offer scholarships for young Indigenous children entering their first year of high school to go to boarding schools around Australia. It's for regional and remote children. So, we, you know, we're going on the assumption that uh, most of the children who live in the city schools have access to a, a fairly good school. Um, but some of the children where we have our scholarships offered, they actually don't even have high school. So they grow up knowing they need to go away to high school. We're talking about Gathawiak or Pomparau or any, any of those places. It's a little bit more difficult for the children who come from towns like, let's say, Moree, and there is a high school there. There's three primary schools. But, you know, the decision to actually go away for school and, 
and it wants something different for yourself is something that has to be talked about around the kitchen table. And um, yeah, that, that those students haven't had as many years to talk about it. So that's what we do. We offer scholarships with the support of the government, um, individuals, uh, foundations, corporate people. And we started with a few children from uh, Mergen and Sherberg in 2006. And now we have 460 alumni who have graduated around the country. Mm -hmm. And we've got, I'm looking at my board over here, about 257 currently in 20 schools around Australia. Wow. So there's the abridged version. Yeah, well done to to, to narrow it down to that. That's yeah, that that's quite an incredible growth over a relatively short period of time as well. So mm. it's the whole idea of education is all about the, the generational change and, and having that generational change only comes about by giving more opportunities and education is a key driver for that. So did you ever imagine that Yallery was going to grow into the incredible organisation that it is today? No. I remember when we started, we've got to remember that Waverley is more the visionary and I like to sweep the floor as well <laughs> at the same time. It's just yeah. maybe it's a female thing, I don't know. But so Waverley used to talk about we're going to have 250 scholarships and here I am doing the books thinking, oh, my goodness, what, what sort of money do I where? Oh, my God. I think I'll just sleep, sweep the floor again. Yeah. Um, so, no, I had no idea. I was busy doing it because I knew it was important. I could see what we were doing. It was very important. But had, had I any idea that we would get to those 250 scholarships that he was talking about years mm. ago, um, no. You know what? Sometimes I think if I now had any idea what we were getting ourselves in for, would we have done it? Of course we would have done it. But we honestly had no idea what we were doing, how to do it. We used to just talk to anybody who would listen. This is yeah. what we want to do. I think what we do is so simplistic and so tangible and so easy to understand that people support us. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's not complicated. The devil is in, in the detail of supporting these students at the schools and with anything you can go right down into the complexities. But on the, on the surface, children getting a good education is where it starts. Yes, absolutely. And absolutely. I don't mean just about the classroom education. It's the schools yes. they're going to. It's the communities. It's who they're meeting, who their friends are. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's far-reaching. Mm, mm. mm. Very much so. And you've now got a good team around you to help you uh, really look after those, the, the detail that you were just talking about, the detail to make sure that the children do get all of those experiences and do have that support as well. And that then will allow you, because I know, as you said, Waverley is a visionary. So to take it to that next level, because, you know, I'm sure Waverley and, your, and yourself won't be stopping at 250 students. It is the is the sky the limit now? Do you? Well, do you... I think with, um, well, we've got our, really, we've had about 700 students go through on Yallery and go through Yallery. So his 250 figure was surpassed ages ago. Mm. Um, now they're talking about a thousand. They, the board, yeah, we're all talking about a thousand educated Indigenous leaders for mm. Australia. Um, we're halfway there, yeah. So that, that's our, that's our new figure. Um, and I think as far as the number of students at our at our schools, I think that figure is going to stay roughly the same each year. We offer 
you know, somewhere between 45 and 50 scholarships. Actually, this year we've got 57. It's huge. Mm. But I think where there's a need, we're not the only ones doing this now in Australia. We, we, there was a, one or two others when we started doing it slightly different and everybody does need to do things slightly different. Um, but there's a lot more organisations now and schools who directly offer scholarships for Indigenous children. So the need, we don't find more than that, that, that that's where our need ends at, at about 50 scholarships per year. So with people graduating, the attrition rate of, of mm. children going through the six years of secondary schooling, that's about where it'll sit, 250 students on a Rosemary Bishop scholarship under Yallery each year. Mm. Yep, mm. yep. And for people who don't know Rosemary Bishop, the, the term Rosemary Bishop Scholarship, what, what do you mean by that? So Rosemary Bishop was the year seven, which was the last year of school in primary school back um, in 1979 when Waverley was at Mergen, High school, Mergen State School. She was his primary school teacher and I think she was talking to the headmaster at Toowoomba Grammar about her son in year 11 going there and she thought she would mention Waverley too, who was the school captain of the school. And uh, somehow the school headmaster created a, a scholarship for Waverley. And um, so that's why all our secondary scholarships are named in Rosemary Bishop's honour, because if it wasn't for her reaching out and mm-hmm. supporting a, a young boy that she thought would benefit from some extraordinary opportunities. Yeah. yeah we, would, we all wouldn't be here if it wasn't. No, it's just it's such a legacy, the ripple effect of, of one little thing. And that's why as a teacher well, past teacher now, I know the, the power and the momentum that comes with showing a child that you believe in them. Yeah, so you must right. feel immense pride in what Yallery has achieved and more important, what the young men and women who are going through Yallery and the alumni who have since left, they must, you know, feel great knowing that someone has believed in them. Yes, yeah, it is. It's incredible. I do feel pride when somebody like you asks me a question like that. Um, mostly I'm just I get out of bed, get on with the day. I'm not mm. like a martyr. But you just get on with things and you do your work. And, you know, I have extraordinary highs in most days and uh, a lot of, you know, <laughs> intermediate sort of stuff that goes on. And then there's a few dips, of course. But that that's life. But it, not often do I get the chance to sit back and say, well, look at this. Isn't yeah. this fantastic? Um, so yeah, I do. I do have immense pride in what what I've been given the opportunity to do, um, mm. and I don't know whether it was good luck, good management, good timing, or all three times together. Also, with a whole lot of those skills that I learned during my twenties and thirties, that sort of gave me the confidence, foolish confidence, whatever you want to call it. The way life say, experience, okay, Lou, life, life experience. experience. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. And so here we are. And there is an, ex- I mean, our oldest alumni are just about 30. Some of them might have turned 30 now. And they're doing extraordinary things with their lives too. There's teachers out there. There's social workers. There's people working in government. There's doctors. There's paramedics, one of our Young men was up at a year 11 camp on the weekend, took the ambulance along for the children to see. There's nurses. Oh, I could go on and on and on mm-hmm. about the alumni who've now finished their degrees and what they're doing. Then there's the whole range of 
beautiful mums and dads out there raising their children and uh, yeah it's uh, extraordinary to to recognize the difference that's happening in in a really positive way for a lot of these children yes and it's it's a ripple effect that you will never know that's well that's, that's it. right of the children yep. and the adults you mm. will never ever know and they will keep on going oh. because it is it's that generational change isn't it the that's fact true. that someone they had the opportunity. People believed them, and they were away. They, you know, their eyes were open to other opportunities. And for myself, coming from a, a, a remote area, and my children growing up in a remote area in their younger years, it is so very important that they can see that what else is out there. Because, yeah, you, know, you only know what you know. So if you always stay within a small area in a remote location, you really don't understand what is out there. So no, the, that's right. I can, their, their little eyes must be like saucers for any children that, that go away to boarding school from these more remote locations. It must be absolutely incredibly daunting in those early early years. Yeah, it is. And, however, the choice is theirs, whether they yes. go back home and work at home or yeah. they stay in the cities. And I'm going to say it's about 50-50 with our students. Huh. Um, go back home with something. Don't just do your year 12 education. Mm. Go back home with another skill. But by all means, you know, go back and and do what you want to do and maybe spend 10 years educating yourself and doing other jobs before you end up back home. But the choice is theirs and they have the choices now with a quality education. Yeah. Well, you must love it just seeing where they go because just finding out from what your children's friends are doing, I get excited hearing, oh, there's such and such is doing this. But when you've got so invested and you you and Waverly asked, so invested in the children for a long time that's right um, it must be amazing just to see where they end up yeah it is yeah, yeah. I love it love that part of it. Yeah, oh yeah. that would be awesome that really yeah. would and that would keep you going on those harder yep. times as well because yeah, that's right when you're dealing with that many children and, and that many schools it would be tricky Lou yeah <laughs> now purpose and connection is one of my six pillars of wellness that I have within my my membership and that I and I try to incorporate into my life because of the amazing health benefits it provides. So I know that as your role as managing director of Yallery and you're a surrogate mother to what has been now hundreds of children over the past 22 or so years, it would give you that unlimited bucket loads of, of purpose and connection. So giving for you comes naturally. You, you are a natural giver. It's who you are and it's also what you do, Lou. But it takes up an incredible amount of your time and your energy. So, Lou... What do you do to fill up your cup and replenish? <laughs> um, I, I write a lot, whether that's music or, or stories. I have uh, three and a half acres of very unruly land that I plant trees on and I love gardening. Yeah. And I paint, paint as well. And what else? I guess, I guess it, it, on the, I think we need to explore our creativity. It doesn't matter what it is. Even if I'm editing a newsletter, I just feel mm. as though I'm still being creative. So that fills me up doing that creative side as well as being purposeful and having connection. But they're a given. They're mm-hmm. easy. In what I do every day, I find the purpose and the connection's always there. That's easy. Mm. When we're talking about filling the cup up, I think you have to extend yourself to your, for me anyway, I'm talking about me, about, yeah, it's a creative side of things. You can even have a really creative conversation with somebody. 
mm. and come away lifted, I think. So they're the things that fill my cup up. And yeah, and the moments alone, because I have a lot of people around yeah. me, but I don't need a lot these days. I was talking to somebody the other day and I just think, give me 10 minutes alone and I'm right, I'm off again, bring it all on. And uh, so that fills up my cup too, just walking the dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you'd have to be really mindful of that because you are giving and giving all the mm. time to find that time and that space. And if it only takes a short amount and you know yourself yep. better That's than right. anyone else, what yeah. you do need just to recharge that battery mm. so you can keep going. Yeah, it's not yeah. long at all. Not for me anyway. I'm yeah, well, um, I, dare, I dare not because I... <laughs> I've seen you in action. Lou, Lou doesn't walk anywhere. Lou runs from place to place. <laughs> What do you do, Lou, to look after yourself then and you know to support your health and wellness? And and now that we're of this age of life, so you know, you don't bounce back quite as fast as what you may have done 20 years ago. Um, so what are you doing to to look at yourself now to help yourself into the future? Yeah, you're right, Joe. I mean, I think I always kidded myself that I could keep going and going and going. But you know, I'm 57 now. And I think look, I've never really I don't drink or smoke. I don't do any of that sort of thing. Mm. And I don't really like takeaway food. So, and I don't drink coffee. Um, people are thinking, oh, school, she's dull. But um, I just don't do it. it. It's not hard for me not to do any of that stuff. Yeah. I don't sleep enough. I'm the first one to admit that. So, and now sleep is all the thing. You've got to sleep. It's even more important than drinking water if you read mm. some articles. So I do, I'm consciously aware of trying to sleep a bit more. Um, I, I like to walk. I find walking the best sort of, um, it just it just helps me. I don't walk fast. And generally I'm on the phone while I'm doing it. I don't sit in, on the phone, I'll walk, even if it's around the streets of Oxenden. So diet, oh, I don't know. Joe, you spent six days with me in the outback. You're probably not entirely <laughs> impressed with my diet, but um, <laughs> here I am saying I don't eat takeaway. But you know, give me a slab of chocolate for dinner and I'm done. So uh, yeah, I don't think <laughs> anybody needs to copy my my diet. Oh, and you know what? Mm -hmm. I start the day with green tea and a green apple, and then I go downhill from there. So there you go. <laughs> so you start. You start high. You tick that. I do. Oh, yeah. I love it. love it. <laughs> because we've had a chat recently with, with just looking after your like strength training and, and, and oh, incorporate yes, that, yes. Lou. So check in and make sure that um, you've invested. Yeah, I am. I'm walking with the little weights. I've got the little weights now. So I'm yeah. trying to just do that. I don't know whether that's going to help. I know you said do no. sessions at the gym, but you need no. You don't need to do go to the gym. I don't go to the gym, but I do. No, live no, our gym. Oh, your no. gym. Yes, yeah. yes, very much so. Yeah, you need you need heavy weights to to build oh, heavier weights. Okay, All yeah, right. and you're not going to be doing that with your walk. No, no, no. no. <laughs> While I'm talking to somebody, no. <laughs> so, so basically, Lou, your health and wellness is a work in progress. Yes, definitely so, a working know, and, and awareness is a first step to know that and then, yeah, the, the little steps in action. So you've, you've taken one already with having the, your hand weights. Hands weight, yes. Yeah. And yeah. look, I am. I'm, I'm a bit more serious about my diet these days too, mm. definitely, yeah. Yeah, well, that's mm. good to hear. So mm. this podcast is called Redefining Midlife and it's all about changing the narrative of this time of life for women. So has growing older changed who you are and how you show up in the world, do you think? 
Oh, definitely. I would not go back to my 20s for anything. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I wake up a more fulfilled, happy, focused, honest person these days than I did in my 20s or 30s. So, um, yes, I, I'm glad I'm where I am now. Yeah, I just think, I mean, for goodness sake, you, you can't get to 57 and not have a certain amount of awareness about yourself and the world and an understanding and how it all fits. And I think by 87, I'll be thinking, oh, that 57-year-old knew nothing. So yeah. let's hope we just keep evolving, for want of a better word, learning, growing. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And does your mother help you with that as well? Like, do, do you look at your yes. mum? Yeah. Yeah, she does. You've got a close she's, relationship. she's 83 now, so I talk to her every morning and every evening. And she's sort of... She says things that a lot of us think and don't want to say. And she says, oh, I'm 83. I can say that now. I say, no, Mark, <laughs> you've been saying that stuff all my life. Yeah. The thing she says is just, wow. Um, so, but, yeah, she does help me balance. And, you know, my greatest champion and then a devil's advocate at the same time. Oh, okay. All right, then. So it's um, it, it does help. Yeah. She'll know how to cut you down to size if she thinks you need it, does she? Yes. She says, oh, no, I don't. I choose my words carefully, but no. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. so then you're looking forward to growing older, Lou? Are you looking oh, at that yeah. as positive? Yeah. Definitely. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I don't have any uh, any regrets at all about where I'm at. And, no, not oh. at all. And yeah. you and Wade, you think, you're, you're looking on uh, like perhaps travelling more? In future years, is that something that you're you're looking forward to, or is there something else that you're looking forward to to really doing more of? Yeah, I th I mean, we have seen a lot of Australia through all the interviews we do, and sometimes people say to me, "Where do you want to go in Australia if you haven't been?" I, I really have to struggle to to think of places and to go as a tourist, yes. not doing work. But you know what? I love going to places, doing work, and having a purpose, and going into other lands and knowing mm. they're coming to genuinely do good help if it's wanted here we are if it's yeah. not that's fine we'll just drive through but that's how I feel about our travels and our work throughout Australia you must have yeah. met some pretty amazing people over the yeah. years is is yeah. there one one place or one person or could have been in in the same place and, and a person living in that place that really struck out you know struck it to struck out at you I'm trying to say as wow, that is incredible. That is an amazing person. I could spend so much more time listening to them speak. Or has that happened that regularly that you go, oh, I can't narrow it down? Pretty much. I can't narrow yeah. it down. There's some extraordinary people I've met. Um, grandmas and grandfathers and mums and dads have been so honest with me mm. and um, given of themselves and, and the relationship that we've built over the six years or more that they're child has been um, on our program in our care um, you know there's so many families across the Kimberley up in the Torres Straits all throughout Queensland country New South Wales you know there's so many towns uh, I can think fondly of and know that the old people in those towns and just the generosity that they've afforded me with yeah giving of themselves yeah I've, I've mm. been really lucky I've loved that part of it Mm, still yeah. goes on mm. yeah yeah no, that's but there's a lot of them a lot of them i'm so lucky
and that's that's probably what we need to remember a lot of the time isn't it just there's so much of the goodness and there's so many amazing people out there that or that they go unheard of you, mm. no one no one knows of these people and and these places mm. and yet that's the common factor that we all share and can all share mm. that's right and that goes for sponsors too some mm. remarkable supporters of gallery mm. and and listening to their stories and why they want to help us yes i just i just love that i really feel really, feel really honored to hear their their journeys and their purpose and and why they're supporting us too. I, I love that, and I really, um, I'm, I'm very aware and grateful mm. of, of those people. Mm. Yeah, that would certainly be one of the highlights of of your job is, mm. is to meet some incredible people. Yeah. So, Lou, we'll we'll wrap up the this with a, a final question. And if you could look into the future, what do you hope eighty year old Lou will say about current day Lou? Oh. Wow. I I don't know. There you go. Have I left Lou speechless? I'm pretty impressed that I've been able to do that. What would 80 year old Lou say Mm. about 57 year old Lou? Oh, she thought she knew it all, didn't she? And she didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a bit harsh. (laughs) I don't know. Or maybe she'll say, yeah, good job, chick. That might might be a new song that you can come up with what 80-year-old Lou is going to be saying. That's right, yeah. (laughs) Well, Lou, I really appreciate the time and and you sharing your story and Yallery's story and telling us a bit more about yourself because you are an incredible lady and I love to be able to share you with others. Thanks, Joe. I really appreciate it. Thank you for all you're doing too. Pleasure. All right. Thanks, Lou. I hope you enjoyed this episode because it's not often that the light is shone on Lou and I really thank her for her time and being so open with sharing her life with us. Now, Yallery is a truly an organisation like no other. I've had the absolute honour of experiencing it firsthand and I've also had the pleasure of meeting the hardworking staff, the incredible students and the young men and women who are the alumni. Now, if you're interested in supporting Yallery, please go to yallery.org. You can also follow them on Facebook and Instagram to see what goes on. The links to the organisation and their socials can be found in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening and sharing your time with me today. I'd love you to hit subscribe on Apple Podcast or your favourite podcast app to keep spreading these empowering messages. Please share this podcast with other incredible midlife women in your world. Join me again next week for another redefining midlife conversation. Thanks again for tuning in.